0: hello everybody and welcome to another ep- another episode of written in thorns i am your host danny rose and with me today is a very special guest that i'm very excited about this is lucy linger she is from the uk so lord knows i've probably got her up way later than she needs to be but the joys of international communication right absolutely um, yeah I am super excited because one of the things that I've wanted to do with this podcast is explore different realms of writing. I personally am a novelist and a lyricist and a poet, but I do not explore the world of screenwriting, of directing, any of that stuff. Whereas Miss Linger here, I went and I like did my internet stalking and found that somebody's got an IMDb page and all of her works are available So Lucy, can you tell us a little bit about what got you started as a screenwriter?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. So I started off in theatre a long, long time ago. So that was my original um, intro into it. So I I set up a theatre company in 2003 um, and I used to do a little bit of writing, but mainly directing. Um, and then I um, in 2016 I wrote a play um, and I directed and produced it um, and it um, went really really well and one of the audience members um, had a friend who worked in television um, and he was like this needs to be seen by a bigger audience you know can I send it to him so I was like of course that sounds brilliant um, so the guy I read it and he, it, it was very theatrical um, and so he was like you know really if I start sending it up the line to the executive producers they're just not really going to get it because it's not written for TV so being hugely naive I was just like oh I'll just transpose that to screenplay it'll be super easy Um, and I say that was 2016 and I've now got such a diverse portfolio and that screenplay is still the one that I'm trying to make work because it is so hard to go from from stage play to screenplay they are they're just so far away from each other and sometimes it's it's harder to like adapt something and make it fit like it's like a a round peg in a square hole rather than just starting from scratch and building the the pegs that you, the, you know the way you need it um so that one I'm still like but as I'm learning more as I write more um I'm sort of Understanding how how I think that's that story can be can be told for the screen. So I, I'll get there eventually. That's going to be my one that's going to take me. You know, it's going to be the uh, the Queen's Gambit. Twelve years that's going <laughs> to take for that one. I think
0: that is awesome. I I absolutely love that. I'm always interested in things like that. Like I've I've been on theater stages a little bit. Um, I've done a, a few like small productions, but I've never done anything big. And the idea of taking something from what starts as theater and trying to do that on film, like you would think it would be an easier process. Cause like film, you can get all your different angles and everything. Whereas stage is like one and done and you're good. And it, the idea that that's so much harder is fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things I always think of with them is like, theatre is it has always been a real audio um, kind of that's where it's come from you know people used to go and hear a play because you know they, they were big amphitheatres and you sometimes couldn't really even see what's going on and it would be you know it's it's very um, representative visually and it's all about the audio experience that you're having um, whereas with the cinema it started out as like silent movies so it's like the complete opposite all about the visuals and the dialogue and, and all of that is 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 much less and tv kind of sits somewhere in the middle um and that um, varies a, a bit as well depending on on what sort of style of tv you're doing but so that's kind of where um where one of the main reasons they vary but in this particular case what was interesting with it is it's a two-hander play and they create the the environments themselves like they put chairs together and turn it into a car and then they're in a pub and then you know they can jump around wherever they want because it's it's one guy's monologue all the way through and it's it's his memory. So he's kind of like telling us the story and then the, the girl like kind of smashes in and like, you know, she wants to tell her side of it as well. And we sort of watch it play out um and so again you think oh with the screen you can jump from one place to another but actually the 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 thread of having the the narrator it it works in a very different way and and the the immediacy of theatre where you know the the characters take you there they're like this is where we are and we all go in our imagination is very different in in film we you know everything we have to you're literally being taken there we have to see it all um rather it's much less about our imagination and much more about the visual experience we're having so it is it's surprisingly different
0: so one of the big um things that we always hear is you know when you're writing when you're creating a story is the concept of show don't tell Mm -hmm. when it comes to writing something like a novel it's using your good descriptors it's having your characters interact with each other when you're doing a screenplay when you're when you're writing something for either stage or for film how do you integrate in the writing element the like the visualizations so that when everybody's reading through it it makes sense
1: so i mean Show don't tell is massive in 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 screenplays and and when it's done well it's just absolutely magic. Like one of my favourite examples of it, I don't know if you've seen three billboards outside Epping, Missouri, with um, Frances McDormand, and there's this absolutely stunning moment where she walks over to the to the window ledge, and there's a cockroach laying on its back, and she just gently flips it over with her pen and then the scene continues. What a brilliant piece of show, don't tell. You know, you Mm. could spend hours telling me what sort of character she is, what sort of person she is, you know, and but in that moment and it's a beautiful setup for later on in the film I don't no spoilers but you know later on in the film her behavior we know this is the person that doesn't want to see a cockroach suffer that's how much compassion she has so we know where this where this darkness has kind of taken her so i feel like if you can find moments like that in a screenplay where you can just in a second we watch something and we go, okay, I know, I've, I've got this character, I've, you know, um, and so that's what what I always try and look for, sometimes it might be a great line of dialogue, it might be something like that, but, but certainly something really visual, uh, and it's amazing how much we do infer from something, if we just watch someone do something, we're like, okay, you're a horrible person, because you just kicked <laughs> that dog, and we watched you do it, and then you go into the house, and we see you being really lovely with somebody. We know, you know, you've got your nice bit of dramatic irony going on. We know you're horrible. And we didn't have to be told you were horrible. We didn't have to have pages and pages and pages. We had in a second, we're like, okay, we know this is not what it's meant to be. So finding those, those really visual moments. Um and I say if they can be in the action, especially when somebody's on their own and reveal a bit of character for us, that's the fly on the wall experience that we all want when we're watching tv and and films you know we we know we get to know they the real sort of heart of the character
0: i absolutely love that and like i have this thing about bugs so the idea of being the kind of person with enough compassion where you would save a cockroach like to me i'm just like nah, i i don't i don't want to even touch it with my pen <laughs> So I, I appreciate that part. So another element that I really wanted to kind of discuss with you is building characters with compassion. You know, you you see those little things like that. What's one of the ways that you enjoy developing um, antagonists for those, those main characters? Um, I think, and one of the ways
1: that's interesting to find antagonists, I think, is I love to always when I write something, I I I always do what I call like a character pass so that I'm writing it making sure that I'm covering it from everybody's angle because the important thing to remember is that the antagonist is the protagonist for themselves like they have their own goals and their own um, reasons and motivations for what they're doing Um, and so I I always love it when uh, uh, you know obviously the antagonist is going to be in direct opposition to your protagonist but if there can be some kind of element of reflection between the protagonist and the antagonist uh you know mirror imaging and things like that so i almost always start with the the protagonist and then look for what aspects of that character do i want to reflect and and how do i want to to block them um and so once that antagonist has of because that the antagonist has kind of grown out of that protagonist i then want to make sure i go over my whole story from the antagonist point of view like right if i was writing it from this character's point of view and i write quite a lot of rom-com quite often in rom-com the two leads are like both protagonists and antagonists for each other they're kind of like blocking each other so that works really well to make sure that you've got you know that that friction and that tension that's kind of going to build for the audience and make it like satisfying once they finally you know get past it um but yeah so that's kind of I mean I think probably down the road I might find that I have like a really great idea for an antagonist and then I'm, I could probably reverse the process um but I think because what you don't what, what, what for me I I don't want to like a random protagonist antagonist that just happened to be in good, you know, you know someone that works for the oil company and a protester well yeah okay but what's what's the connection you know that they're, they're mm-hmm. the, the the block the what blocks them is is only as interesting as what kind of bonds them and binds them as well my we're having all the all the things going on now I got excited <laughs> my desk and my camera like flipped up so
0: oh yeah I feel you uh and and that's an excellent a- aspect too because I find it so interesting and, and I'm so much more captivated into stories when there is that that common element behind the antagonist and protagonist you know if it's something where it's literally just you know big corporation versus the little guy
1: I'm just not as drawn to
0: that it's the specifics, whereas
1: isn't it that's that's yes like, like um the specifics of of the stories and of the characters. Are what draw us in. So, uh, you know, I read a lot of scripts as well because I script edit as well. Um, and um, I do a bit of mentoring. And one of the things I really find with, with, with particularly newer writers is it's like, why this character, why, why specifically like oh well this character would really hate it if their child died well that's true of any parent in the whole world Mm -hmm. you 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 think you've got a story there but the hook in is kind of not specific enough for us to to really know why we're giving up an hour and a half in a film and and hours you know if you think about something like Breaking Bad or, you know, The Sopranos or anything like that, you know, friends, how long we spend with these characters in our living rooms. Like why, you know, it's those specifics, I think, that really hook us, hook us in. I agree.
0: Um, Another element that I I wanted to discuss with you was kind of building that, that climax or that apex of a storyline, sometimes it's it's more of a slow build sometimes it's one of those things where it's like out of nowhere which direction do you feel is more effective and what's your approach to building like that big pivotal moment in in your productions and your screenwriting
1: um i think it's quite a sort of organic process for me like when you you sort of want to know where the story is going because you want to know what what experience do you want your audience to have and then you kind of want to have your tent peg well this is my process. I want to have my tent peg moments for where I want those you know how I'm going to carry the audience through that experience Mm -hmm. I know there's always a lot of debate about whether you just like write by the seat of your pants and see where you go kind of thing or whether you plan it and when I first started I used to free flow write a lot Um, And I, I came up with this analogy that it's kind of like hiking where it's Mm -hmm. like great you just put your hiking boots on and you just go out the door and you just go out into nature and it's amazing but actually you do end up like just wandering around in the woods for a really long time sometimes (laughs) it's going and everyone says there's this amazing waterfall but you never find it because whereas actually you know if you spend a bit of time doing some research and and planning it like okay we'll have a lunch break here this is how we'll get to the waterfall this is where we get you know and you kind of plot it out um then you you can you still go out into the woods you still find stuff as you as you write but you sort of you at least know kind of where you're where you're going um and so that's kind of where i've i've got now i i always sort of think of you know the midpoint as being my sort of lunch break stop and then the climax bit is like you know that's the point of the hike this is where we've this is what we've hiked out to um and then if I'm you know I'm thinking I'm bringing the audience with me on on a hike that I know that they don't I want to make sure that they like this is this amazing little river where you can fill your water bottle up and this is such a great viewpoint but really I'm guiding them along and then I'm like and here we are and they come out and it's the Grand Canyon or something you know (laughs) oh my god but like if I don't know the Grand Canyon is there then I'm just like oh yeah I'll just wander around the woods and like oh oh," looking under a stone trying to find something you know so that's why that I I, I'm a big analogy fan anyway I love analogy but I really find that like know where you're taking your audience and why um and so that kind of and in fact not always in my writing do I 100% know where that where that is but I I Mm -hmm. usually know what it feels like and you know what what the the experience I want the audience to have and then I get there I'm like okay no actually it's not going to be I thought it was going to be you know this reveal or I thought it was going to be this and actually now that's feeling a bit flat because of what's happened before it needs to be needs to escalate more it needs to be go further um and but again that's that's all the that's that's the fun of it, that even once you've planned it out, I think people think if they plan it too much, it's not going to be as sort of spontaneous. But you know, once you're out there hiking, anything can happen. And <laughs> it's good to have some kind of, you know, some sort of plan. I I find especially if you're working to deadlines, which obviously a lot of the time we are now.
0: Absolutely. And I I do agree because then that also gives you, creates that necessity in your mind where you have to be open to the concept of rewrites. I know a lot of people, they get very attached to their projects and they're like, I don't want to do a rewrite. And it's like, okay, but your, you know, your, your big climax, it's not as satisfying as it could be because you've already found these amazing things along the way so I agree that kind of also sets you up for that almost necessity mindset of okay well now I need to do a rewrite
1: yeah I mean right someone said writing is rewriting and I 100% believe that absolutely it's like you just have to get it out of you and onto the paper and then you're like okay what actually is this you know it's kind Mm of like you know the the first draft is like going to the the grocery store or the supermarket and buying the ingredients then you come home and that's Mm -hmm. it first draft's done but now you're like Unpacking, what have I actually got? <laughs> out of this. Um, you know, that's like I, I, I feel like once you start editing, that's where you start actually baking the thing. Um,
0: and I know whenever I go grocery shopping, I inevitably forget at least one thing that's important. Exactly, so then it's, exactly. do I go back out or do I just go with it?
1: <laughs> and that's exactly it. Like wh- once you once you've got your outline and once you've got your draft, that's when you'll know what you're missing. Um whereas if you're just it's just in your head and you're going over it like it, I think one of the worst things for most writers is that what is in your head is perfect and absolutely amazing. And what is on the page is vomit. It's horrendous and terrible and doesn't look anything like what was in your head. And yeah. so the idea of create taking this beautiful magical thing and turning it into vomit is just it's horrible, and that's where I think a lot of like the procrastination so it comes from and you kind of have to, no, okay, well, it will be awful to begin with, but that's that's the part of the process. You've got to get over that bit so that then you've got it's out of you and it's, you know, in the real world and it exists so that you can then start moving it around and getting it into the shape that you um that you really want it. And as I say, the more you plan for that, the more the less awful it is when it first comes out. <laughs> and the more you know, what you were trying to do and therefore you know what you missed again if i come back to the hiking analogy you're like oh yeah we totally didn't go and do this bit of it which is that or why did i take them in this massive loop i thought it was really beautiful but actually there's nothing there at all that could go um and all of those kinds of things and you can and I think people who particularly because a lot of the time the free flow writing is is so is the enjoyable bit and then the turning it into something like edible for other people is is the harder bit um and I think that that I have I have various things that I do outside of the actual work in progress to allow, allow that so like, I love interviewing my characters is a great free flow exercise that you can do so like you know, the again in a rom-com male and female lead, they're on Oprah and Oprah is asking them, tell me how you met, like tell me your story. Mm-hmm. And again, the balance again, like let, get your antagonist out. Like you've just been, you know, knocking that girl to the ground and, you know, now bring her out. Like, tell me your side of the story. I love that for a free flow. That's put your hiking boots out on and just go see where you get to and just hear the story from other other ways. And, and, and allow yourself to free flow, particularly if you're if you're stuck in a project and you're like, you don't want to deal with the 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 end product but you need to write i i just find like going to something separate where i can just flow it out of me and 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 just write and write and write i i love to do that as well i
0: actually really love that idea i've never thought about like approaching it as an interviewing my characters before. I love that concept. I've never thought about it.
1: They talk, you know, because obviously lot most writers have that experience of of characters talking to you. And you're but often that's like within the construct of a scene or or within so that so that you're they're kind of helping you with what they would say in that situation and how it kind of happens. Whereas especially in the early days when you're well for screenwriting in particular but I guess it's probably true for novel when you're trying to get the voices of the characters just letting one talk to you for a really long time like I write for both the American market and the UK market and when I am writing for the American market I've done interviews where I've had then had an American friend actually read some of it so that I can Mm -hmm. hear the accent in my head because obviously my accent is different I'm writing a you know someone from Kentucky and you know I've oh got my- yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of getting that but I, I find that interviewing them and getting that turn of phrase and just letting them roll really helps to get that their voices in your um and it's amazing like sometimes I've had it where like one of them would just start telling me about you know something that happened with their mother when they were like 12 and I'm like I I didn't know this, this is amazing i wonder if this is going to be useful backstory and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't and sometimes you know you just don't know what you're going to find so as i say that's why i think this whole argument about like do you just write by the seat of your pants or do you plan it out i feel like it's a little for me anyway it's a bit of a misnomer like you do want to do a bit of both but the end the end goal needs for me needs to be planned
0: I absolutely love that. And I, I feel you on the like writing for culture differences. Um, I, one of the characters in, in my novel series that I'm working on, he's from Ireland and that's an area I've never been to. So I actually have a friend who lives in Ireland that I'm constantly bugging like, Hey, what would be this phrase that, you know, like in English American, it means this what would be like something that you would, you would use in Ireland? And so he'd be like going through all of this with me. And it, it's hilarious because I grew up in uh, the Midwest and the Southern states in the United States. And I fight my natural accent a lot. My natural accent is that, that thick Kentucky, you know, Southern accent. And I fight it so much because I hate it. And so like, you know, you mentioned Kentucky and all I hear is my grandpa in the background yelling at me, you know, good Lord willing in the creek don't
1: rise. (laughs) That's all I hear. Well, I co-write with a guy who's from Kentucky. We've got two scripts that are set in Kentucky and um, it's been great fun. I've only ever been once for like three days. We went to the Kentucky Derby when my brother-in-law was, he was um, living and um, studying in Chicago and we drove, did like a road trip down. Um, but yeah it's been great because one of like one of the stories we have is an as a UK um, girl who goes over to Kentucky Um, and so we we've got to had the opportunity to use the comedy that has come just from us working together where I'll like say an expression in particular expressions like you guys don't seem to have like the same kind of old-fashioned expressions like they got left behind when you're all left on the boat i think and we oh, have- absolutely <laughs> and i'll say something and he's like what what does that mean and like sometimes he'll just burst out laughing and i'm like oh my god what did i say this time like um and so what we were able to do is like put a lot of that into the script um uh, and so, and then a lot of that comedy comes through of like you know they're, they're talking the same language, but are they really? If one of them's right. English and one of them's talking American English, there's just like so um so many areas where you can just like you know make mistakes. Like you know the the grandmother in it, she asks you know when the the girl stays overnight, and she asks her if she found clean pants the next day. And obviously in uh, in the UK, this would be this woman asking her whether she like has she got clean underpants on in front of everybody whereas actually she meant like just trousers is what you know we would call them over here so it like makes this really uh like lovely comical uncomfortable scene um in uh in at the breakfast table so.
0: i'm sorry my dog is chewing on a bottle and i'm trying to get it away from her <laughs> i don't know how but So I have a Weimaraner for a pet, and somehow, no matter what I do, every time I get on a phone call or I do an interview or something, she finds a hidden stash of plastic bottles. I don't know where they are. I have scoured my house multiple times. She inevitably finds one and feels the need to play fetch with said plastic bottle while I'm doing something every time.
1: She knows is going to get your attention. She's a clever girl. She's
0: a clever girl. Absolutely. I should have named her Blue. My kid wanted to name her Blue after uh, the dinosaur from Jurassic World. Oh. He's obsessed with dinosaurs. And her name was already Bella. So, like, we didn't want to change it because she oh, was used that's to bad. that name.
1: Bella. Nice. Sister, we both have a pet with the same name.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Uh, but so circling back around away from, from the dog. So speaking of like humor and comedy, I, there's there's always this idea and this mindset that I see a lot of, you have to have the right timing for comedy. And it's, it, it's always kind of subjective when you're writing like novels and whatnot, because the comedy can be completely on how you interpret it and you read it. Whereas when you're watching somebody play it out, it's it is what it is so how do you how do you approach writing good comedic timing
1: yeah it is tricky um and it's always really encouraging when people say they've laughed during your scripts and when I've laughed reading other people's scripts because actually it's much harder to make people laugh on the page in the script um, that and so often when people say oh it was really funny actually what you mean is I was mildly amused while I was reading it so when you actually get something where you like properly laugh out loud like that is golden and it is really really hard to do it I think you know it's often about how you construct the scene how well people know the characters so if you've got I find often that the comedy grows throughout the script once the once the reader or once if I'm reading someone else's script, once I've got those characters voices in my head, um, then I can start, you know, you, you you start to get their their kind of um, tone of phrase. And obviously it depends whether you're talking about like a great comic line, which can sometimes just be an epic comeback. And it's like no matter how you read that, that is going to be brilliant um or whether it's a piece of action um you know and that's what if you think about something like friends um you know I always think David Schwimmer is never really given as much credit for what an amazing clown he is like he is is a full-on clown like some of his um physicality like there's one bit in the Bruce Willis episode where he's like behind the door and the door closes he just like concertina (laughs) not body down like, under the bed he's just amazing um and there's lots of slapstick stuff um so then obviously that you, you know as long as it's written in a way that you can really visualize it and I always think with everything with screenplays like especially if you've got people who are like used to writing novels or used to reading novels that start writing screenplays and and they want it to be a literary experience and they want to use more flowery language and and that and and it's really difficult because within with a screenplay it's got to be more like a slip and slide you know I want to jump on page one and just s- hurtle all the way down um that script and and often if you're trying to construct and set up a piece of action and it's too wordy and you're and you're too specific in the blocking um then what you find is as a reader you're like going okay so he's there and she's like okay yeah like you're trying to whereas if you can if you can give it you know just in a in a in a one line just really kind of snappier um that usually helps with the comedy as well you get lost in having said yeah obviously the specifics of the world of the characters but the specifics Mm -hmm. of blocking in um in screenplays just they kill it dead And, and and in a shooting script you might need that because you might want you know you you, it's being used in a different way A shooting script is being used by the production to know where what props and what what costumes and all of those kinds of things whereas in the spec in a spec script which is like when you're just writing speculatively and hoping that someone might (laughs) want to buy it um you're you're creating an experience for that reader that you want to be speedy and it's always the other thing i always think is funny is there's always this kind of joke about people who love movies like at school like did you read the book no no no. I watched the movie like <laughs> they don't want to read like the people that make movies do not want to read they want to watch movies but mm-hmm. in order for you to get them to watch your movie you have to make them read which they don't want to do <laughs> so right <laughs> uh, and it's quite funny because often writers in particular we love to read so we're writing this beautiful lovely like Flowery words that in our novels would be wonderful, and everybody's really getting dra- drawn into them. And then, and somebody who, you know, an executive who is like literally reading this in the car, or going somewhere because they've got no time <laughs> and they don't want to read. So it, I think that's one of the things that makes screenwriting, like, it's a it's a writing of economy, and it's kind of like I always think if you if you're a poet and you want to just write free flow poetry and then you decide you're going to write a sonnet Mm -hmm. suddenly have this really specific structure and, and rhythm and everything that you have to stick with. And I think screenwriting for me, that that's been one of the discoveries is that there are lots of freer forms of writing, but screenplay writing has a really specific job and so you need to really adhere to um not I mean not adhere to the structure like I'm not I'm not a massive fan of all the kind of save the cat beats and this happens on this page this but in terms of it how it works organically and how the speed of it it has to just hurtle us along and be creating pictures in our minds all the time
0: I absolutely love that and it's it's definitely something that as somebody who doesn't do screenwriting, I've never really thought about it. Like it's, it's always been a curiosity of mine. Like, you know, in this chapter, in in this specific book, there's there's all these very beautiful words to describe something, big descriptors. And then it's, you know, as I've done some theater, those are never there because Mm -hmm. it, it bogs down the script and it's like, okay, well you're ruining the whole point behind it and then people lose interest. So the idea of trying to like shop that, that script to an executive and while he's in a car, I love the, the yeah. imagery there. Cause it's like, that's exactly what
1: it is. Absolutely. And that's the thing. Like it's, it's always funny. People always talk about like selling out. I, I, there's a, uh, there's a um, woman who runs a site called bang two rights, bang with the digit two and then right. And um, she always talks about how there's um, the difference between selling out and selling. And mm-hmm. that's just not, Ever more true than in screenwriting, because you actually, you know, you—it's like being an architect. If someone's not prepared to make your building, uh, if they can't understand the blueprints and actually build it, then it's never going to happen. And whereas with a, with with other forms of writing, you know, you can write poetry for thirty years and keep it in in a drawer, or you can publish it. You can write novels. You can self-publish. You could. There's so many different ways to um to get your writing out there but as a screenwriter I mean you can write short films which is one of the things I've done and and you can make those yourselves and you can make those with peers but actually tv and and feature film really you've got to convince other people I mean even in short film you can't really do it all by yourself Mm -hmm. some people do but um you know, you've got to convince other people that this is you, 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 they want to come and do it. And once you start talking about getting some decent money behind you, you've got to get executives and they are busy and they don't like reading.
0: (laughs) No, not at
1: all. You are writing for people who don't like reading. So it's, it's a, it's definitely been a real um, experience for me learning that and how to, Con, you know the document the screenplay document especially as I say a spec screenplay like people read something like a Quentin Tarantino script and they're like well why can't I do this it's like because you're not Quentin Tarantino yet like he can yep. do whatever the hell he wants he's directing it himself you know he, it's it's happening and it's it's you know it's Aaron Sorkin's play, the scripts are massively long but if you send an executive a script and it's 135 pages and you're not Aaron Salkin they're like oh my god not only might this be rubbish but it's really long and I don't like reading so now I've got a long one whereas if you can create something that's like you know 90 pages you know 100 pages max and and it flies you know that's that's a good day for for an executive that can sit and read it and then they want to tell you know someone else in their company you've got to read this we've got to get this writer and we've got to meet them you know that's that's what you kind of that's what you're working for really well speaking
0: of getting the finances and getting people to buy into it I kind of want to shift the conversation a little bit to your upcoming project where you're going to be directing correct
1: yes I am yeah so So, yeah
0: I'd love to hear some more about that project because that sounds exciting.
1: Oh, it's, it's great. Actually, it's, it's, um it's going to be my second short film that I'm directing, which I haven't written. Um, So mainly I've done, I've directed my own written work, but I'm in, in my theater work. I almost always direct directing other people's works. I've been doing it for like 20 years and I absolutely love it because you've got that, you know, as I say, you've got the, the blueprint, you've got that material there and then you get to, to, Bring your own vision to it and bring your own sound to it. Um, and so this short film, it's um written by a guy called Fraser Call. He's a Scottish um, writer, um, and he's incredibly talented, and he's really obsessed with Scottish folk tales. Um, and it's really interesting, because we 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 get like, you know, we've got Brave, and we've got like Outlander, and there's, there's we think we know stuff about Scotland, but actually a lot of those projects aren't being made by Scottish people, they're not being written by Scottish people. And they're not actually like the, the kind of fairy tales and traditional tales um of scotland so he came up with this idea for this short film um based around a um mythical dog called a catchy um who is the harbinger of death um i and- love it already <laughs> <laughs> and, um so yeah we thought what about a little girl who's got you know her dog is a, her best friend and also the harbinger of death um and so that's kind of where it started from um but we wanted to look at like that the one of the things about Scotland is that it, the nature of it is so um it's so mythical uh, um it, it's so magical in itself like you go into their woodland and into their the highlands and it, it's just like it, it's Lord of the Rings, you know it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking at playing around with where magic and reality what? kind of merge. And yeah, there's the dog. I've been talking about a dog movie. <laughs> yeah, I
0: and, think she heard the concept of Harbinger of Death and she's like, that's me. <laughs> yeah. <absolutely. laughs> it's
1: like, no, you're not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we're shooting a teaser for it at the end of this month. Um, so I get to meet the dogs, which I'm super excited about. So we've got... um some great dogs that we're going to be doing a lot of um prep work with um so we're we're looking at what is uh what's possible in the vfx and in terms of color grade and and what we get in camera and what we're going to have to do we've got an an incredibly um talented um uh um, puppeteer, who's uh, she makes loads of different models and things. She's made hopefully going to make some puppets for us. So on our Indiegogo um, crowdfunding, you can actually buy one of the models of her of the puppets that she's making for the film, which is amazing. That's
0: awesome.
1: Yeah, so, she's honestly, she like sent them. She said, "Oh, I'll do a little mold for you, do a little sculpt." And she sent them. I sent over a picture, and we were like, <gasps> oh God, "We have to make this work. We have to like incorporate it." um so yeah we've got a great team that we're bringing together lots of um lots of scottish um people lots of mix of you know real nice diverse um crew that's one of the things that i do my production company linger longer films um i'm committed to 50 50 gender split in the crew um, and we always include at least one woman in the camera department because that is one of those areas where women are just still so underrepresented Um, I work with a really um, talented director of photography, female director of photography. and She also works for a camera company and she fixes the cameras for like all the James Bond movies and stuff like that. And, you know, she rocks up on set and people are like, Oh, you're looking for hair and makeup. She's like, no, I've come. Because if I don't do that, (laughs) nobody's doing anything because the camera's not working at the moment. Like (laughs) I I love it. Yeah. Now. So, um, and it's Just such a shame that those kind of stereotypes are still there because she's you yeah, know absolutely uh, fantastic. Um, so yeah, we always have like a uh, you know, I say either a female DP or a female AC. Um, and yeah, this has got a great, uh, a really nice, diverse cast. Um, that's uh, not sorry, diverse crew. Um, and a young cast as well. We've got obviously a young girl, but the girl we've got for the teaser, this is her first ever on screen performance. Oh, wow. That's amazing. She did a really fantastic Zoom audition with us because they're all up in Glasgow
0: and mm. I, um,
1: down um, in Surrey in south south of London. Um, so we did a Zoom interview uh, with her audition and she was just amazing. I mean, that's a hard thing to do to just suddenly, you know, like go into character on Zoom with people, uh, with her mum sitting next to her, kind of thing. She was just brilliant. Mm. And then I redirected her and she took the direction on board so quickly and really went for it so I'm really excited to work with her and let give her a really, hopefully a really good um first on camera kind of experience
0: so. nice so was well, so but the the concept being kind of like a the the dog is a harbinger of death is this going to be more of like a, a darker vibe
1: kind of project so it's or a, it's a family story I mean there it's it, there is a there's a darkness to it I mean the central mm-hmm. character. Um, you know she has a lot of guilt about her mother's death, and mm. she's in a very dark place at the beginning. And the dog is a harbinger of death. He's in a very dark place. He's you know he's terrorizing and people and dragging them to the underworld. So when they meet and when we start, they're both in this really kind of quite bleak and dark place and then you know it's only a 15 minute film but through through the course of it and through the connection and the journey that they they go on together they both kind of find there's a line in it where the um that her dad says i you'll find the light in the stories again because she loves all the the folk tales but she's you Mm -hmm. know she's getting sucked into the darkness of them without finding that light that all you know that fairy tales um, and folk tales always have um, and there's an element of that in the film where they, as they go through, they're both finding the lightness in their in their experiences and in their existence. And there's an element about about death itself, and and is it this dark, bleak, awful thing, or is it more natural? And and as I say, all about nature, nature and magic, and and how. Um, and how those things all work together and they're all part of the experience of being on Earth um and the sort of the connections that, that are made while we're here or are, are, are sort of the true magic of it. So there, I think that it should be family friendly, but it is as I say there's a, there's a darkness certainly to um to begin with. Uh, but i think that's that's often true for for fairy tales and folk mm-hmm. stories you know there's there's often that that quite scary kind of darkness to it but then there's also something that we can learn um that we learn from it um as the characters do
0: i absolutely love that it's it's definitely something where i i always appreciate things that are family oriented i i have my kids mm-hmm. where you know it can approach those more sensitive subjects and still have a way of being uplifting in, in, you know, the core of the message. And it can still like help communicate that, that huge lesson for you where, you know, it's okay to feel that darkness and it's okay to feel somewhat, you know, sad about something that there's nothing wrong with feeling sad. It's okay to be not okay, but it's still that message of, you know you can still find that light you can still find those happy things so the idea of having a project that kind of approaches that topic and still be family friendly i absolutely love that
1: yeah i think um, that phrase is great for finding the the comedy in it as well and that's really one of um you know one of the things that always comes across in my work it was funny actually when i first told my husband about the the story and we were having dinner and i was just telling him the whole story and he said Well, that sounds like, you know, kind of a lovely, gentle comedy, kind of with a bit of darkness in there that then draws the audience in and then just like sucker punches them at the end. (laughs) I was like, it's right on my alley. I do. I love to draw people in and then really like, you know, give them a bit of a sucker punch. and that's what the, you know, this script really does do that. There's yeah, I say there's some some lovely light moments, some lovely comedy in there, but the uh, you know the emotion, um was, you know, Fraser's really found that. Um and I'm really excited to to work with the actors and and to to bring that out for for, for as you say, for a family audience, It'd be great.
0: That is amazing. And guys, if you want to support any of this, if you want to get your hands on that little puppet, because that sounds amazing the links to the indiegogo as well as lucy's websites will be in the description box so make sure you check those out go support her i am so excited to see this short film come out this sounds like it's going to be amazing
1: i'm really Uh, i can't i'm just even just getting to go to scotland and shoot up there and really like you know in the with the waterfalls and the you know (sighs) countryside and the and the you know the greenery and and everything and then to like kind of use that to create this magic I'm just oh I'm I'm super excited about it
0: I'm so jealous that sounds amazing <laughs> oh my goodness uh is there anything else that you want to talk about while
1: I've got you I suppose the other thing I would say while you're here um it's something I always like to talk a little bit about is just about um for creatives um it's just about mental health and the fact that when um us when we're writing um we really need to take care of ourselves and um you know it's people don't really understand and realize always I don't think how what where you've got to kind of go for your like to get your writing um you know someone I once said you just sit at a typewriter and bleed and there is an aspect of that I think it can be quite um quite difficult so that's the only other thing I would I would like to say it's just like if you're writing and you're doing creative things, like be aware that that's punching you about a little bit um, mentally, and make sure you're you're you know you've got your meditation and you've got your um, your stuff that's that's helping you to um, support you in 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 what's quite a kind of emotionally draining um, job that we're we're doing. You know, we're create, literally creating emotion and real life characters out of nothing. Um, and uh, to connect with other people so um, yeah that's other than that I can't think of anything
0: else I'm actually really glad you brought that up I'm, I'm a huge advocate for mental health um, I, I've i always been very adamant on all of those things Lord knows I've struggled with my own mental health and again if, if any of you listening are struggling with anything please seek a professional there um, I'll also have links in the description if you need any help definitely be sure to reach out. Be aware because,
1: uh, you know, as a, as a community, we're creatives, we're, you know, we're sensitive souls and we need to be, we know, we mm-hmm. need to be overthinkers and we need to be, you know, super analyzing everything because that's how we do our job. Um, but, you know, the flip side of that is we often are anxious and, you know, we have higher rates of depression and all of those kinds of things. So, you know, be aware that it's like part of your tools of your trade is you know like if you're gonna you know if you're gonna go out and do a job where you have to be really physically fit you need to be making sure that you're training and you you know keeping yourself safe in that way and we're like we have to be really mentally and emotionally fit for our jobs so we need to take extra special care of ourselves so um make sure we're all doing that Absolutely. There's a reason you're never going to
0: see my chunky butt fighting in an action scene <laughs> next to someone like, you know, Jackie Chan or something. I'd rather be sitting there eating deep fried Twinkies. <laughs> like I have my preference. <laughs> 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 oh, Lucy, thank you so much for joining me today. You have it's been pleasure. an absolute wonder
1: it's been so good it's been well worth staying up past bedtime (laughs) yes
0: i definitely appreciate that too thank you so much guys make sure that you are following everything with lucy again make sure you find that indiegogo link down in the description box donate to the campaign for this short film i'm so excited to see this thank you so much for being here have a great rest of your day guys Mm -hmm.